Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Today's cool fact of the day is that we're starting to think that up to half of the water here on Earth is older than the sun. And the working theory is that the water on the Earth was left over from the cloud of gas that formed the sun itself. We're also thinking that that interstellar water would be included in the formation of other stellar systems and maybe even other Earth-like planets. So it's kind of interesting to think about that, that all that interesting biology, the stuff going on inside your meat is using water molecules that might be older than the sun. Kind of makes you feel like you already have a bit of an anti-aging practice, right? What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD+, and that helps you make energy, it helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD+, levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD Plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD Plus. It's what I use. Today's guest is one of the world's foremost experts in the field of environmental medicine. He's got 30 years of medical practice. He's, a, he's been a faculty member at four different naturopathic medical schools and was the founding department chair for environmental medicine at the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine in Arizona. He's also a prolific writer, and he's been a guest on ABC with Barbara Walters, where he's talked about toxic compounds in the environment and how we can protect ourselves. Uh, this is none other than Dr. Walter Crinian. Walter, welcome to the show. Dave, thanks so much for having me on. It's, a, it's an honor. 
Uh, likewise, uh, you've spent uh, a lot more of your life than I have <laughs> working on this this problem of toxins in the environment. Yet, I still run into these people online who sort of believe, oh, I'm tired of the word toxin. There's no such thing as toxins. Everything's a toxin. What do you say when people look at your life's work and say there's no such thing as toxins or everything's a toxin and they don't matter? Well, th that's one of the difficulties because when one starts talking about the load of environmental toxicants and toxins in the air, water, personal care product, and food, for many it seems so overwhelming and so absolutely dire and hopeless that they go the other way to really put their heads in the sand and say, well, I'm going to die anyway, so don't talk to me about it. It is a, It is an issue. The, the opening for me is when people come to me with these chronic health problems that they have been unable to get better via any other means. And then I start talking about this and they listen uh, because I actually ha was able to give them answers, to give them ways out of the toxic burden. And I have had the great joy, Dave, to see chronic illnesses reverse uh yeah spontaneous remissions in, <laughs> magically <laughs> yeah magic spontaneous remissions in in things including lou gehrig's disease yeah. uh certain cancers parkinsonism uh, autoimmunity is like a slam dunk it's like handing michael jordan the ball in a ball game and saying you think you can make a basket i mean cleansing with autoimmunity any form of autoimmunity and it's it's uh very easy to do. So it's interesting that the vast majority of the biggest chronic illnesses are all related to the buildup of environmental toxicants in our body. So for people who, who aren't familiar with autoimmune diseases are, there's a whole host of them, but it's basically when something tricks the body, your immune system into attacking some part of the body. And right. things that, that you might not know are autoimmune, things like some forms of arthritis, perhaps Alzheimer's disease, uh, perhaps Parkinson's, and a bunch of other even cardiac issues can be basically your immune system getting pointed to the wrong things. So you're saying toxins have a direct role in that. They have a very direct role in that. Uh, for years, it we've known, those of us in environmental medicine have uh, used the term immunotoxicity. And in immunotoxicity or toxic effect on your immune system, your immune system becomes imbalanced in a very interesting way. The ability to fight viruses, fungi, and those things, the acute infections goes down. So people get chronic infections like Lyme's disease, oh, I, Candida, Epstein-Barr, Cytomegalo, <laughs> and then they get increased allergies. I had that. <laughs> and asthma. And then yes. they can get autoimmunity. This is a well-documented immune system imbalance. We know exactly what the uh, the chemicals that the immune system puts out called cytokines. We, we know what is going on with here, and it's, it's documented what causes it. Now, it is linked to uh, not enough glutathione in your white blood cells, but there is a list as long as your arm of all the common environmental toxicants that do this. And all I would do with my patients is reduce their circulating level of toxicants. Their immune system rebalances, and then their rheumatoid arthritis goes away, or their Hashimoto's thyroiditis, or their lupus, or scleroderma, or a whole host of other problems would 
magically disappear, and the blood markers for these would go away as well. It, it's funny. My Hashimoto's blood markers entirely went away, just like you're saying. Yep. Now, you use an interesting word, though. You talk about toxicants rather Correct. than toxins, and you right. actually have a different meaning for toxicant. What's the difference between a toxicant and a toxin? The, the basis is that a toxin is something that is produced by a living organism. So black widow, spider, bite, mm -hmm. cobra, bite, uh, yeah. mold, mold, mycotoxins. <laughs> yeah, um, one of my favorites. Uh, botulinum toxin, you know, Botox. Mm -hmm. So those are all uh, poisonous substances made by uh, living organisms. Toxicants, C-A-N-T-S, are not made by living organisms. They so that's where you've got They're chemicals, chemicals, primarily chemicals, but also heavy metals, and and that is the huge burden uh, on uh, our bodies. Which uh, you know the CDC has been doing ongoing uh, study, and you can just go to their website. Um, it's CDC dot. Uh, gov slash exposure report and they've been doing this ongoing study for last 15 20 years looking at the uh, toxicants in the average u.s resident and they're now up to i believe it's about 140 that are found ubiquitously in you know 98 percent of all residences of north america and the vast majority of those are, uh, you know, air pollutants, solvents, plasticizers, BPA, the uh, Teflon and Scotchgard chemicals. Um, the, you know, there are all these things that used to certainly not be on my radar because my radar initially was, was for the persistent pollutants, the chlorinated yeah. pesticides, DDT, DDT yeah. and PCBs. And yes, those are there, but, you know, the organophosphate pesticides that... Way worse. The, you know, all, all these things I didn't pay attention to because their half-life in the blood is so short. They weren't persistent. But because we're exposed to them every day, they're in our bodies every day. Yeah. And I actually did the math. I, I went through the CDC report. And I did the math, adding up the totals of all these things in the blood and urine, a, over 80% by volume of all those daily 24-hour-a-day toxicants are all non-persistent. So it's the air we breathe. It's the food we eat. Most of it is coming from our air in our homes. That's the vast majority of it. And then food and then personal care products. So one of the ones that, that, that's interesting is, is BPA. And uh, this is bisphenol A. It's common in in plastics, and I uh, I read about this in my book about things that affect pregnancy, called the Better Baby Book, I'm looking at environmental effects and everything you can do to increase the healthy outcomes for your pregnancy. And uh, there's uh, a few people online saying, "Oh, BPA doesn't last in the body long enough to matter." In fact, here's a government report that says, you know, even pregnant women should have BPA. It doesn't matter. And it's irrelevant. <laughs> that was kind of my response. Um, they're usually like the, you know, the, the, the skeptic community where it's like, like everything is science-based. If you ignore six of seven types of evidence, then it's evidence-based. Um, that, that sort of thing. 
Right. Uh, but yeah, but they, it, still, it, it, it's an interesting... What do you say when someone says, well, you know, th- this comes in and goes out so fast that it's irrelevant to our body? Uh, well, I totally understand that because yeah. that's how I used to think. Okay. I, I used to be guilty of that exact same thought until the CDC started looking at these other compounds. And before that... All the, all the, the, that was in the published medical literature for looking at body burden of, of toxic compounds was all the persistence. DDT, yep. PCBs. That's all they had. So maybe I, I probably wasn't the only one that, that had this uh, misconception. But when the CDC started doing uh, their, you know, these ongoing year after year studies for thousands and thousands of U.S. residents, and they're finding levels of bisphenol A and at least six different phthalates or plasticizers and Scotch Garden Teflon chemicals and organophosphate pesticides that were first developed in the 1930s for warfare nerve gas. And we're finding all of these non-persistent things that leave the body quickly in everybody that made me start and, and take notice. But on top of that, Dave, there is uh, what how I spend my day is reviewing published medical and scientific reports uh, that are now on PubMed or, you know, the uh, Medline, uh, National uh, Library of um, Medicine from the National Institutes of Health. It's available to everybody, uh, you know, online. And and there are wonderful reports there. Now, with BPA, a lot of them are from infertility clinics yeah. or other individuals, other docs working with various uh, endocrine disorders. Uh, I just reviewed an article um, on on BPA and the adverse of, uh, and causing um, in women who had fetuses that were uh, developmentally delayed. So these fetuses, they were pregnant, um, had uh, chromosomal differences in them, abnormalities, you know. And and you know as well as I that, I mean, when I started practice, I actually delivered babies, okay, did, right. did home delivery on babies. Back then, I don't remember knowing a family that had a special needs I, kids. I, I've only done home delivery on two babies, but they were okay. Yeah. <laughs> they, they would be mine. Yeah. But, <laughs> but now it's more common than not to have special needs yeah. kids. So That's this true. study was looking at these moms who were pregnant with kids that were going to be special needs kids. And this is what was really interesting. They looked at the BPA levels in the women who had these developmental disability, uh, disabilities in the kids or de- developmental differences versus moms that didn't, that had normal developing fetuses. And they looked at the types of BPA. And B- and once BPA is metabolized by the liver, it becomes non-toxic. It doesn't cause damage to the fetus. Well, the women with the kids, the fetuses that were developmentally, uh, had developmental disorder, they couldn't properly clear BPA. Which requires glutathione, doesn't it? Uh, it, 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 it? It does. Um, both uh, uh, sulfur transferase, which is, uh, you need sulfur, you need the transferase enzymes, but then it also does glucuronyl transferase, yep. where you need a glucuronate, which is the primary one. But women that can't make that jump, 
they're the ones that get the problem. So it was a very interesting article. But, you know, your, your main question was, these other people aren't looking at what the CDC says that, hey, but it's in all of us in high levels every day, and that they're actually measuring levels in people and showing association with problems. So you put two and two together, and it's, duh. <laughs> I suppose there's an argument that if you lived in a bubble with no toxins at all, and you had this one toxin at this one level for one exposure, uh, then you could make an argument that it's not harmful, and, and it's a reasonable argument. But what they don't yes. study yes. at the, the same time is something that I've learned about with, with mycotoxins or these mold toxins, is that one of them in isolation does something, and, and this is a, a level that most people can metabolize. But then you add a second one in from a different source or from the same source, and suddenly they amplify each other in a way that's not additive, it, it multiplies. So suddenly 20% of the safe level of this plus 20% of the safe level of this is, uh-oh, way more than 100% of the safe level. So then you start having biological effects. Exactly. And in environmental medicine, the basic principle of it for all these past decades has been total load. Yep. We have a load on us. And what I've seen is, is individual come to me and, and the majority of the time they have no idea what made them, what started this illness. You know, uh, but sometimes I do, and I say it's when I put that carpet in, or when I got the fillings in, or or when I was in the moldy house, or when you know I was from the pesticide spray. They all want to point to something, and they'll often, and some of them do have this incident. You know, when I moved into the new yes. house, the brand spanking new house, I've been sick ever since. Okay, that was the straw that broke yes. the camel's back. But you had a total load building up before that, and that's mm. what pushed you over the edge. Even Suzanne Summers I was just on Bulletproof Radio, and, and she moved into a house with mold. And, and same mm -hmm. thing, like all of a sudden, she felt it right away because she's learned to have that awareness. Right. And most and, people are totally unconscious, you know, about that yeah. stuff. You just, Completely like, I feel like unconscious. A, yeah, I feel like a zombie all the time. Mm -hmm. I, I remember I moved into a house with Stachybotrys many years ago. I didn't know <laughs> at the time. Oh, Dave. Um, and I, I was already sensitive to mold. I grew up in a moldy basement. I was obese, weighed 300 pounds. And, um, but I'd lost a lot of the weight and suddenly it came rushing back on and, and just, I never felt well. And I remember I went to the doctor and I said, I feel like I've been poisoned. Like, I don't feel like someone poisoned me, but like, like I just, nothing's right anymore. Mm -hmm. But I didn't correlate it with my house. And I just said, I remember vitamin C makes me feel better when I take, you know, three grams a day. Mm -hmm. And the doctor goes, Dave, stop. It could kill you. <laughs> and I, I looked at the guy, and I, I didn't know what I know now, but I knew enough. And, and I said, what about Linus Pauling? And, and for people listening, Linus Pauling, two Nobel Prizes, took 90 grams of vitamin C a day and is yeah. one of the biggest proponents And kept terminal cancer patients alive with 10 grams a day or more. Yeah, which can, quote, kill you. So I looked at the doctor, and he said, Linus who? And, and I said, you're fired. And I walked out. And <laughs> Good for you. Well, good for me, except I didn't see a doctor for four years. That's one of the reasons I'm a biohacker. I was like, none of these guys can help. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. So I, I studied stupid amounts of information uh, because I didn't think that, that there was such a thing as a doctor would understand this. I didn't know that there was such a thing as environmental medicine. I didn't know what a naturopath was. And this is going you know back to the mid-90s uh, where it was much less common. And 
I'm lucky that I did meet the type of you know, functional medicine practitioner, um, orthomolecular doctors, anti-aging doctors, environmental medicine types who, who do study the interaction of the environment and people and, and realize uh-huh. that it's not about handing out well, drugs it's, and stopping. It, this is a small group of docs that you're talking about. It, it's growing fast. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a small group. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've been focusing um, for the last you know, 10, 15 years to really try to teach and train other doctors uh, about this field. It, it's one of the more important things you can do because Bulletproof Radio has allowed me to interact with, with literally hundreds of doctors, both ones I interview like you, as well as ones who come to the, the Bulletproof Conference, or we just end up having these amazing conversations. And what you find is that every doctor out there uh, maybe not every, the vast majority of doctors out there are looking for um, a better interaction with patients. Like, like no doctor likes three-minute visits, you know, here, just, right. just in and out, in and out, because it, it drains them and they know they're not helping people to the full extent they can. So th- there's sort of pressure on one side and then they, they really want this ability to help, but then there's a, a lack of knowledge where there's, you know, fresh out of medical school, you're like, ah, vitamins don't work. Like the drug companies pounded that in. And then 10 years later, you talk to them and they're like, yeah, I, I kind of take my, my methylated B vitamins at home because I was getting a rash when I didn't do it and they worked. And, you know, I can't recommend it to my, to my patients though, because, you know, there's no evidence, but like I take them at home. So I feel it's shifting. You, but after 30 years of practice, do you feel it's shifting? Uh, yes, in, in many ways. Okay. Alternative medicine is now far more readily embraced than it used to be. Okay. Uh, nutritional information is, is far more readily available, pretty much, you know. I, I don't find anybody anymore that hasn't heard the term multivitamin. You know? <laughs> Every, everybody knows that. Um, so, yes, it, it is, uh, you know, much more well-known. We got a lot of wonderful docs out there that are practicing. It's just helping others find. And my goal right now, what I'm focusing on, is trying to help docs be able to recognize what the the symptom picture is when they're for, in their patient. If their patient has a health problem caused by an overload of toxicants, what is the symptom picture? How do they spot that, and then how do they treat it? Whether they really want to do that form of medicine or not is kind of beside the point. But can you spot an environmental case? Because if the problem's been caused by an overload of environmental toxicants and you don't deal with it, you're just going to be chasing symptoms again, which is what a lot of docs do. They chase symptoms. A few months ago, I released a movie called Moldy. And uh, I spent, yes, yes. Uh, you've seen it. Okay. I, I was Absolutely hoping you would have love I, it. I, I should have sent a copy just to make sure you would have seen it. But I, what what struck me as maybe one of the most amazing interviews was a, a pair of physicians, normal Western physicians, a couple. And they move into a moldy house, and the wife gets sick, and the husband doesn't get sick. And they're sitting there saying, look, in medical school, we learned that if someone has more than like eight symptoms, clearly it's in their head. If they're hypochondriacs. They're crazy oh, people. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so she's like, I had 18 symptoms. So therefore, I was crazy, except my temperature was one degree higher. So that means that I wasn't crazy. So this poor woman spent two years biopsying every organ in her body to get to the bottom of what was an environmental illness caused by mold toxins in, in the, I think they were living in a trailer when they remodeled her. It was just some, some ridiculous thing right. like that. Right. But what was so amazing was to, now she's one of the leading mold doctors in Santa Barbara. 
and it's it's so interesting though because this idea that many many symptoms at the same time equals crazy pants and and Wellbutrin essentially that is just not proven. In fact, I would argue in in my experience of life there clearly are real mental disorders. But if you look at medical textbooks from fifty or a hundred years ago, there's people saying, "Oh, look, you expose these people to cigarette smoke, and they think they're Jesus." And then you take cigarette smoke out of the environment, and they're they're themselves again. So so we've had hints of this for a long time. How much of the the current mental illness that's out there do you think is actually environmental illness? Ooh, now that's a good question. Um, You know, depression, which is a huge thing right now. There are so many of the environmental toxicants that are neurotoxins that cause depression, that are known to cause depression. I mean, when you, when you just look at, if you, if you take the, the top 20 toxicant compounds out there that, you know, um, that we're exposed to to huge amounts every day, vehicular exhaust, organophosphate, um, pesticides, solvents, plasticizers, BPA, all these things. If you just look at those, the lists, um, one of the top symptoms, fatigue. Yep. Depression. Headache. Um, mood disorders, you know, mood swings. Weight gain. It's these things that we are all so used to seeing, but we've become so used to it. When I, I had a, a facility up in Seattle for a couple decades where we did cleansing on patients. And the biggest thing that my patients said to me when they did the cleansing, two things. The, the one I heard most commonly was, Doc, I feel like I'm 20 years younger. Yeah. And then they'd often come back after a few months and go, I didn't change my diet and I lost 20 pounds. Um. And, and I've come to believe that it's not us getting older, adding more birthdays to our resume. It's adding more of the toxicant load to our bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, of all, all the compounds that the CDC has documented in us, I've taken each one to PubMed, put the name of the compound in the search box, and then went, and mitochondria. <laughs> yes, I do that all the time. That's like my hobby. <laughs> 100% of these 140 compounds that are in all of us are mitochondrial poisons. Well, yes. if you've got a mitochondrial poison in you, you're going to be tired. Your brain is not going to work. You're not going to be able to um, keep your weight down. You're going to have problems with diabetes. All the, the great health problems. So many of them are mitochondria-related disorders, including Parkinsonism, which is going up in rates dramatically as well. So when we reduce these loads, the mitochondria feel great. They do feel great. And for people listening who don't know the role of mitochondria in the body, these are basically the power plants in the cells. They they burn energy, ATP, and then it gets recycled into more energy using sugar or fat, it turns out. Yep. And so what this means is, is like there's a light. They actually make a little electron. Uh, and in fact, they make a biophoton too, we, we found out. So these are basically the light. The spark of life literally is made by mitochondria. And if you you take something into the body that reduces the effectiveness of that. It's like a dimmer switch on your life. And the part of the brain with the most mitochondria is the prefrontal cortex, the most recently evolved, most human part of the brain. So 
wow, if you take one of these 140 toxins you're talking about that affect your mitochondria and you dim your lights a little bit and you do it over and over and over, of course you're going to be tired because your brain's batteries aren't working right. And, and the mitochondria are needed in each cell for that cell, whether it's an eye cell, a heart cell, a liver cell, a breast cell, a skin cell, a, a muscle cell to do its job right. So if you have body parts that aren't doing their job right, yep. maybe and the well, mitochondria are poisoned. And th- this won't be a surprise to you, but but for a lot of people listening, if you're having a hard time getting pregnant, like one in eight couples of any age now who cannot get pregnant without assistance. One in eight. So fertility is a basic sign of how resilient you are. If you're at the age when you should be fertile and you're not fertile, like something's really wrong and you're probably not going to live as long as you should. Uh-huh. Uh, it's possible that you have a cyst or something and that there's something out of that. But if you don't know the reason, I would be really concerned about my own longevity, whether or not I was planning to have kids. And if you look at one of the big things, it's mitochondrial strength of semen. So if your swimmers aren't swimming, the odds are that your heart isn't pumping the way it could be. Your brain isn't thinking the way it could be. And it all comes down to these little mitochondria. So, so, so now we've probably got people scared of doing great. Like there's something dimming you know, the spark of life in my body. What do you do as an environmental medicine doctor when someone comes in and says, all right, I want, I want, I want more spark. What, what, how do you fix the mitochondria? Well, um, the first step, the first step one in environmental medicine treatment is avoidance. As I, <laughs> as I mentioned before, yes, over 80% of the toxins rolling around in our bloodstream are non-persistent. So if you stop taking them, having them come in your nose or in your mouth or on your skin, they're not going to be there. Give them two weeks, three weeks, you don't have any more. So that's the first step. Uh, Suzanne Summers uh, interviewed me for her book because she was really enthralled about my book. She wrote, she gave me some great feedback on my book called Clean, Green, and Lean that takes people through their home and their diet, helps them identify what to clear out. Now, when I you know, really hone in on those CDC uh, information, the bulk of the compounds that uh, are in our body are airborne. And the majority of that is from our home air. So it is critical that we get our home air taken care of. And, And I have my holy trinity that I tell people they need to do for home air. Number one, uh, get one of the service in to suck all the dust out of the air ducts. Yes, and the, the mold spores. <laughs> yeah, because the all the environmental chemicals in the mold spores aren't like free-floating so much. They're bound to dust particles. So you, you get a service in that sucks all that out, whether it's a new construction or been there a long time, both have reasons to do it. And then you replace your furnace filters with the high quality pleated air filters. They look like a, you know, kind of a compressed accordion. Mm -hmm. And you want the high quality pleated filters that are electrostatic and they'll cost you 15 bucks a pop, 15 to 20 bucks a pop. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty expensive. I mean, to get rid of toxins. Are you sure it's worth it? Oh my goodness. (laughs) You know, 
You know, the, the, what people typically do are the $3.50 ones yeah. that look like it's kind of spun candy corn, you know. That keeps yeah. birds from flying through, okay? <laughs> but doesn't stop the dust. We're talking about the cost of, like, two lattes. I know. Like it, it, it's I know. not very much money compared to the benefits yeah. of that. Yeah, and then you get a high-quality air purifier in the home, and not an ozone generator, and not one of those passive ones, one that actually move, grabs the air and forces it through heavy-duty filters. A, a HEPA filter. Yes, a HEPA filter, and char- typically they have about three different filters yeah. in it. And there's, uh, you know, there's a number of companies out there that are excellent, IQ Air, Blue Air, Austin Air, EL Faust, uh, Allermed, or Aller Air, these are all at the top of the heap. You know, they all have excellent machines. Just by doing that, now, Dave, this is something I've been, I've been talking seriously about. To, um, first, I've been doing conferences for the last four years on annual updates in environmental medicine. And uh, this year, we're changing it to Environment Health Symposium. We're actually going to have a day on mold. Oh, um, wow. When is that? I, I want to come. San Diego, you're invited. If you want to do a showing of your movie, you can. Oh, uh, please, let's hook up after this. Yeah, I'd love to. Give it, us the dates. Where yeah, can people it's, find it's, out more? It's March 4th to 6th. Okay. And uh, we're actually going to have Dr. Uh, uh, Giles Eric Seralini, the French researcher, did all the research on uh, glyphos- glyphosate, Roundup. I oh, love it. We're going to bring him in. I'm very excited about this. Um but uh, about two or three years ago, I did we did one focusing on reproduction. And do you know that the closer uh, couples live to a busy roadway, the less likely they are to be able to conceive? Yes. Busy roadways are bad for kids, too. And there's now been about eight articles published. There were an initial group in L.A., and then now they've done it in another... Uh, cities in the country, the closer a pregnant mom lives to a busy roadway, yeah. the higher her risks of having an autistic child. And if yes. that child continues to live by that busy roadway, their autism gets worse. Now, why this hasn't been front page news, I have no bloody idea. But the point is that you can pay, you can, you can spend, you can buy a nice, good quality air purifier, you're going to spend close to a grand, okay? That's just how it is. Um, but that could make, one, it could be your marital aid in your bedroom because you might be able to get <laughs> pregnant. And two, $1,000 to keep a child from becoming autistic, you're changing that child's entire life and your own life. So, so preventing autism from happening in the first place is one of my my core missions. The reason I wrote my first book wasn't the bulletproof executive. It was what do you do before you get pregnant to to make this better? Yeah, it, yeah, we also, have to get into preconception care. We have to. Yeah, it, it's it, preconception is is like the technical name for that. A lot of people haven't heard of it, but if you don't plan ahead and do that detoxing thing, you're just not you're not going to not just you know about getting pregnant. It's about having a kid who's got everything possible for the, the kid to have. And anyone who's going to go to the, the huge amount of work it takes to be a parent, uh, you, you know what it is. And, and if you're like, wait, if I could have just changed a couple things for that nine month period, everything would have been easier later. Like it's one of the simplest, most obvious investments you could ever make, but it's just not talked about. It kind of drives me crazy. 
Yeah. Can, can I share a, a, a quick patient story on a kid oh, with please. you? please. Yeah. So I, I had this family bring the, their young son to me. I think he was about six at the time. And he had debilitating headaches and, um, you know, no energy. And just, you know, he's, he's a kid and he, he just, he, they were horribly concerned about him. Couldn't figure out anything to help him. And uh, so they brought him to me and I took the case and um, I'm asking him questions. And I, I, for me, it was obvious. It was this happened after they put new new wall to wall carpet in oh, their home. Yeah. So I said, "You got to take the carpet out." And they said, "Well, thank you, Doctor Crinion. You know, they paid me my my money." And I didn't see him again for about nine months, maybe a year. And so in Seattle, they made the rounds to all the other docs, and they came back and I said, "Well, hey, how, you know, how's everything going?" No, he's the same. He's actually worse. Well, I haven't seen you in a year. What, what happened? Well, we went to all the other docs and I, I redid everything. I said, you got to take the carpet out. And he said, no, 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 we can't. We're not going to do that. And I said, well, look, do you have some place, you know, is, is grandma, do you have, you know, grandma or somebody around that has a bedroom with no carpet that your, your son can sleep in? They said, oh, yeah, yeah, grandma lives. Yeah, grandma. Yeah, sure. So he went to sleep over at grandma's for two weeks. Almost complete recovery. <laughs> and so I, uh, I, I, then I saw him and said, okay, are you going to pull the carpet out now? And they went, okay. You know, because carpeting, people spend thousands of dollars. They save up to this. And we've got all these, you know, ads on TV telling us that we're not good parents unless we have good carpeting for our babies, you know. Um, you know all that stuff. Yeah, I can tell you that the floor I'm on right now is is solid birch. And there you it, go. It was the same cost as quality carpet. Like it's just nicer and yeah. cleaner. So, yeah. so they tore, uh, tore out the carpet, a family affair, and unfortunately, he helped. And if you've ever torn out carpet, you know he how he helped the sick he, kid. Oh, and so he crashed. He crashed hard <laughs> for like like a month. But then he came back, and he, and and he came back in. Um, probably, I saw him about twelve years later. Uh, and he was this, he was getting ready to go into the Marines and a big strapping guy, you know, healthy as an ox. And, uh, they sent me a picture of him in his, in his uniform. And it was just like, you know, what we do to our kids without realizing it, you know, without realizing it. It's also interesting that if you know, you have a weakness, the odds are that your kids inherited that weakness. Like I, when I, when I was a kid, I lived in a basement that had been flooded, and it was a nice house, nice basement, and you couldn't see any damage to the walls, but I had paneling in the room where I slept. So behind the paneling was almost certainly tons of mold. Tons one of, of it. One of the problems I had is asthma, constant rashes, uh, brain fog, uh, you know, oppositional defiant, inability to manage emotions, but I also had nosebleeds, like five and ten times a day. Oh, and my God. And so what causes people to have nosebleeds all the time in your experience with environmental medicine? Well, the most common thing I've seen from that is uh, that the, the, the integrity of the blood vessels is shot. Yes. And, and that's from oxidative damage, yes. which is what all these toxicants do is oxidative damage. And um, so that's, that's, a real part of that. And that means, of course, that you were breathing all these mycotoxins in that mm -hmm. were causing all 
those issues. So it was both local and in, and systemic for you. And the, the mold is nasty because mycotoxins are an issue in mold and different people clear different mycotoxins at different rates. Uh, but there's also the immune stimulating effects where the mold itself triggers out immunity apart from the toxin. So it's like a, a dual yeah. whammy. Yeah, the, that, the yeah. mold, the mycotoxins do the same effect to the immune system, uh, robbing the, the white blood cells of glutathione as does diesel exhaust or plastics or organophosphate pesticides or solvents or heavy metals. All these things that cause that, that immunotoxicity imbalance that I spoke mm-hmm. of. Um, increased asthma and allergies and autoimmunity and reduced ability to fight off infections. And it all mediates that through the glutathione. And if you're breathing any, any toxin or toxicant regularly, your body is, de- your lungs get totally depleted in glutathione. That's why all those uh, World Trade Center uh, rescue workers have this horrific pr- lung problems as they totally robbed of all their glutathione and and they still got issues. All they need to do is replete them. It, it's really interesting, too, because when you take vitamin C, it goes first to making glutathione in the liver and to replacing glutathione. And if you have some vitamin C left over, it goes to making collagen uh, because it's a required ingredient for this connective, connective protein. Connective tissue, yep. So no wonder I was bleeding all the time because I had oxidative stress and I didn't have enough vitamin C to make collagen to form healthy veins. I still have little purple veins on my eyelids. Like I have like mm-hmm. systemic damage from growing up in constant oxidative stress. Yeah, now, and, and you know, uh, some of the glutathione can get recycled. Um, it can get recycled from oxidized back to reduce. But if you're in oxidative stress, that enzyme doesn't work. So yes. oxidative stress also impinges that piece as well. So, so the, the other day, uh, my eight-year-old daughter came in with a, a big nosebleed. And she's a little bit freaked out. She's had a couple of them, but not that many. And and she had another one the same day. And, and so I, I just looked at her. I said, oh, well, here's what you do with nosebleeds. Like, I'm a pro. I'll, I'll teach you how to do it. So suddenly she felt in charge of it. But then I'm like, all right, let's look at what you did. So she has a place in the forest where she likes to play. And it turns out that our um, our lawn clippings had been dumped right there near that, and they'd been rained on. And because she's an awesome eight-year-old, she was making making survival shelters, because, hey, that's how we roll, using this as thatching, like little fairy survival shelters, but little fairy houses using... Uh And she said, oh, yeah, there were spider webs on the the grass. I said, no, those weren't spider webs. That was mold. And the reason your nose is bleeding is because I am sensitive to mold. You have my genes, and so here's what to do. So I I manufacture a kind of highly absorbable glutathione with a, a lactoferrin attached called glutathione force so we give her a bunch of glutathione force and later we give her the activated charcoal that i make and you know her nosebleeds quit within a day when i was yep. a kid i would just bled 10 times a day for years on end and kept exposing myself and i'm like all right i know my genetics i know the environmental triggers and yeah my, my kids have those probably not to the extent i do because we we did our best epigenetically but one of the things that everyone here whether you have kids or not if you're if you do have kids later Knowing what works for you environmentally is probably going to work for your kids. And, and they don't teach you this anywhere. Oh, right. Yeah. One of the other issues about kids is that not only do they get our genetics, but they get a load. Of, they get a portion of the toxicants that mom has built up in her. So that's one of the reasons why each succeeding generation, we're seeing them having more and more health problems, often right from the get-go. Um, so... Um, it used to be when I started practice that I, you know, the chemically sensitive individuals were these, you know, 40, 50 year old women. 
But now we're having kids born who are chemically sensitive. And yes, they have their parents' genetics, but they also, you know, got a bigger load from their mom than their mom did from her mom. Each succeeding generation is passing a bigger load of environmental toxicants to the fetus. And so that's why, you know, childhood brain tumors are up, I don't know how many hundreds of times over what they used to be, autism. You know, it's all higher. The asthma and allergies, now it's hard to find a kid who's not allergic to anything. All these are clearly associated with environmental buildup, and that's part of the issue, is this being passed down from generation to generation. And so that gets us back to that critical um, point of... uh, conception, preconception care. And um, are you familiar with uh, Theo Coburn's um, uh, endocrine disruptor site, her TEDx site? She, uh, she, she recently passed. She's one of the no. greats in environmental medicine. She wrote uh, Our Stolen Future. Oh, I do know Our Stolen Future. And, okay. Yeah, and she's got a website called uh, TEDx, The Endocrine Exchange. And uh, you can oh, plug in... She's got all these, they got the whole, all the weeks of pregnancy and you can, you know, do, okay, if they're exposed to this phthalate at this week and you get all the downstream problems, you know, How we just. I not know this given that I wrote a huge book on this stuff. Uh, that's amazing. Okay. I, I'm excited, but uh, I, I will include the, uh, I'll include a link to that in the show notes for people. And I just went to TEDx.com, but it took me to TED.com, so it must be... Oh, yeah, yeah. You can try it. You can Google the the Endocrine Exchange. I okay. don't remember. I'll find it. I think it's TEDx. I thought it was TEDx.com, but maybe it's it's, it's been yeah. a while since I've been okay. there. Okay, I'll find it, and we'll put it in the show notes. Because people don't, don't know that, and the idea is that you have the most leverage at conception, or maybe probably right before conception, and every week of your life, starting then until you're 192, or however old you end up being, uh, you have a little bit less leverage. It's harder to repair than it is to prevent. So your strategy of, hey, like let's avoid the damage in the first place, let's not expose ourselves to these toxins, mm-hmm. let's let them clear, let's help them clear, that will make you perform better now, it'll make you live longer, and it'll make you live better. Um, exactly. It, one of the things, though, that we haven't touched on enough, and I, I wanted to, to point it out because it's in the title of your book. Your book is, is Clean, Green, and Lean, Get Rid of the Toxins that Make You Fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's what happened to me. I was clearly toxic. I, had all kind of, I didn't believe in you know, any of this environmental mumbo-jumbo. Um, and not only that, I, I lived in moldy houses and all, so I, I, I was 300 pounds. And I decided I was going to lose weight. So I... I worked out an hour and a half a day, six days a week. I cut my calories to around 1,800 calories a day. And I did this for like 18 months. I beat myself up. And uh-huh. at the end of this time, I could max out every machine in my local Nautilus. And I was still fat. And uh-huh. I ate half as much as my thin friends. And I ate healthier than they did too. Uh-huh. And granted, I was on a low-fat diet, which was a problem. And of course, I was trying to restrict calories. So... People to this day go, that's not possible. It's calories in, calories out. Okay. No. <laughs> My experience is no. And I, I can show you five studies of animals where like, oh, you give them this chemical and they get fat on less food, which means it cannot be calories in, because calories out. It, 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 <laughs> you poison the mitochondria. Yes. And so, you know, the thing, the, the, the reason exercise 
lose, lose, lose weight with exercise is because the more exercise you do, your muscles are going, golly, this is hard work. Yeah. We better make a few more mitochondria so it won't be so hard. So you actually make more mitochondria. So if you keep exercising regularly, you, you know, I don't know, double, tripled, whatever, you know, your number of mitochondria in your body so that when you're not exercising, when you're sitting at your desk driving in your car, you're burning more calories. So you don't like get on the, the machine at the gym. You don't weigh yourself before and after the gym and, and find out that you lost five pounds. Yeah. You lose the pound over the week, the pounds over the week because you're your your mitochondria, you've got more mitochondria that are working harder. And so losing weight is all about proper mitochondrial function. So, so when it's, you're it's poisoned, not about calories in, calories out? Well, <laughs> no. And that's why it didn't work for you. Now someone's someone with a with really great functioning mitochondria, yeah. They can and, do that. And it's pretty easy to lose weight at that point. They just, yeah, when you know, you've got good functioning mitochondria, then that is, you know, calories in, calories out, you know. Yeah. And, but and you, mitochondria aren't working right. They're just not working right. And if your calories are full of toxins that inhibit mitochondrial function slowly, it'll be harder and harder to lose weight because oh, you've oh, poisoned oh, yourself oh. with your crappy Pop-Tarts. Oh, oh, yeah. And with... Um, with the persistent pollutants, the ones that I used to really be mostly concerned about, um, so that's the, the PCBs, the DDT, all those that are known as POPs, persistent organic pollutants, mm -hmm. which, by the way, the information on them being a risk for uh, adult-onset diabetes and obesity, the risk factors are huge. Yeah. These are fat-soluble toxicants, so they get delivered as fat fuel right to the mitochondria yeah. and their mitochondrial poisons. That's a big oops. Well, one of the reasons that I'm, I'm so interested in, in mycotoxins, these mold toxins uh, from the environment and from food, is that many of them are lipophoric or these fat-soluble toxins. And they, they dissolve, just like the, the ones that are environmentally persistent, they dissolve into the cell membranes. Right, so so the, the surface of our cells is made of little droplets of fat. Right. And so once, the, once you get these things that dissolve into fat, they're kind of smeared across everything. And then they get into the nervous system, which is also made of fat. And then it takes a couple years to replace half your cell membranes. Like, like there's a half-life there. So when I put myself on the Bulletproof diet, the super high fat, increasing bile turnover, making myself uh, uh, build new cells, make myself uh, uh, flush the fat out, I was also flushing the fat-soluble toxins. And it, it took a while, but when I first started on this really strong Bulletproof coffee, I was doing like six or eight tablespoons of butter. Like, like I, I could not get enough. My body was screaming for it. And I do like a tablespoon or two in my coffee now, and that's like a maintenance dose for me. But for a while there, just until I managed to do some of that cell membrane repair, getting enough of, of any kind of fat seemed almost impossible. And that, I think that was my body just telling me what to do. Yeah, and one other thing about the fat-soluble toxins, the reason why the, the, most, the, the more fat-soluble they are, the more persistent, because your body yeah. doesn't get rid of fat. If fat is starting to exit your, your bowels, it gets, your body says, oh, sorry, we need you, and <laughs> exactly. it pulls it back in, and it can't differentiate between EPA, um, DHA, 
uh, vitamin A, vitamin E, or DDT in PCBs. They're fat molecules. So the, the any fat-soluble toxicant is harder to get out. Um, so you've got that factor go, uh, playing with playing as well. I, I have a, a protocol on, on the Bulletproof website that I did not publish in my book, and it, I call it the Rapid Fat Loss Protocol, RFLP. And it says in big letters, like how to lose weight faster than you should. And the reason that I warn people about this is like, look, if, you, if you're losing fat at a pound a day, and if you're obese, you can make yourself do that. But you've stored so much crap in the fat in your body that if you do it for very long, you're going to get profound fatigue and brain fog yes. because you're going to unlock all this. So as you're losing the weight, you have to take toxin-binding things. You have to upregulate glutathione. Exactly. You have to take antioxidants. Or you can seriously jack up your brain for months. You're like a zombie. Yeah, yeah. Is there what else should people do when they're losing weight uh, to, to take it to, to take advantage of your knowledge of the environment? Uh, yeah. Like, do you, do you have other things in your book? Or yeah, yeah. I, I do. I'm concerned in my, about in my right? book. This is a big issue with anybody that's doing weight loss, whether it's uh, stomach stapling or exercising or whatever. One of the uh, a number of years ago, one of the students at the Southwest College, he uh, from Virginia Beach, where he's practicing naturopathic medicine now. He and his wife owned a couple of curved franchises, mm -hmm. and he was telling me that it was very common for these middle-aged women to come in, start exercising, start losing weight, and then feel absolutely terrible, yeah. and so they stop exercising because their toxicant got mm -hmm. dumped. So, um, now, I found the best way for people to reduce their tox circulating toxicant load, including people poisoned by stachybotrys and recover their health was colonic irrigations. Okay. Absolutely the best way, uh, but you can't do one a week and expect to feel good. I'd have people do five and two weeks, and they'd go, oh, life, where have you been? You know, so th they, they know that, and then they have to just keep doing enough to feel better. But there are a number of things that will help the body get clear fat-soluble toxicants out. Now, a lot of this is research done in both Japan and China because in the 80s, there were spills of PCB in rice bran cooking oil in both of those countries. In China, it's called Yushen disease. In Japan, Yushou. Both means oil sickness. Oh, wow. And what they found, um, number one, rice bran fiber. And they've done studies on animals that they'll toxify the animal with dioxins and PCBs, and then they see how, how to clear it. Rice bran fiber clears, increases the amount of dioxins and PCBs out of your body. So eating brown rice, you know, the, the macrobiotic diet. But, but doesn't brown rice have 80 times more arsenic in it than white rice? It does have more. If you wash it with water that's low arsenic, it, it reduces the arsenic level. In brown or white? Because what I've read shows that you can reduce it in white that's been milled, but in brown it's stuck into the brown to the no, point that you don't want to do that. Still, if you do, if you do it with the brown, you can reduce it. Okay. And there's some other great things on the, on the, the, the arsenic as well that I could talk okay. about. Uh, but the key there is um, the methylators. Um, yes. Methyl B12, methylfolate, because if you properly methylate the arsenic, you're cleared. But rice bran fiber clears these persistent toxicants. Mm -hmm. Chlorophyll 
clears the persistent toxicants. And so you can either do vegetables or you can take green drinks. And the third thing that clears persistent toxicants out, green tea. Yep. These have all, all been shown to increase the excretion of PCBs and dioxins out of the body. So you want to increase the amount of POPs, persistent organic pollutants, in the poop. There's and, also um, modified citrus pectin is also pretty powerful for that as well. It doesn't have the research on it that I would like. Mm. Uh, these okay. other pieces of research are, are, there are a number of them and they're stellar. So okay. uh, those, those are very, very good. Um, now, something that I have recommended to people, but certainly it does not sound naturopathic, but if they've got a high amount of these persistent pollutants in their body, which is not as common as it used to be, oh, you're going to love me saying this, fat-free Pringles. <laughs> good God. <laughs> What the, why? You must have a reason for that. It's got olestra in it, which is a non-absorbable oh, fat. And anything that increases the fat content in the stool, the fat-soluble toxicants cross, cross the, okay. the mucous membranes and dive into it like a cool swimming pool on a hot day. There was actually a fellow down in, in Australia. He was uh, uh, overweight. Oh, Olestra's oat fiber. It's modified oat fiber. Yeah. Uh, that I, I don't know. Uh-huh. That, okay, beautiful. Okay, that, that is hilarious. But all right, yeah. I, I, I buy that fat-free Pringles. You heard that first on Bulletproof Radio. <laughs> yeah, well, the, okay. there was a patient that uh, he, he was PCB poisoned and he couldn't lose weight. Anytime he did, he'd get chloracne and feel terrible. And so he was in Australia, which doesn't allow Olestra. So these docs got the government to allow shipments of fat-free Pringles. I forget how many cases they gave him. He did seven fat-free Pringles a day. At the end of two months, two years, he was no longer had, no longer had high blood pressure, no longer had high cholesterol, was no longer overweight, and his fat biopsy in PCBs went from like 22,000 parts per billion to like 131. Wow. And so... You don't have to move a lot. So if you do the chlorophyll, the green tea, the rice bran fiber, or the brown rice, on a daily basis, you can, in that same amount of time, clear out the persistence as well. Now, when I had people come to me, they were in uh, health crises, so I had to use the colonics to get them better. But, ah. you know, if you're not at that place, you can just do these healthy things. And doing a broccoli, green tea, uh, curcumin or turmeric, uh, rooibos, the uh, African honeybush tea, all those enhance the liver transferase enzymes, including the glucuronyl transferase for the BPA and, and the glutathione transferase. They enhance those. So, you can add those in as part of a healthy diet to really increase your, you know, clearing out the blood and then yep. clearing it out of the body. I, I use all of those things. I, I use activated charcoal as another thing that binds it's uh, the, the fats. It binds the bile specifically to help bile. It, yes. it could, in fact, there's a chapter or a section in the Bulletproof Diet about bile turnover and how important that is for detoxing, right? And more fat in equals more fat out. 
Um, what do you think of cholestyramine? This is something that Richie Shoemaker popularized. It's an anti-cholesterol right. drug. It's a resin. You drink it. Tastes like crap. Yeah. What's your take on that? That that uh, it, that also binds toxins and prevents yeah. the hepatic recycling. Um, I, I like that stuff. It's interesting. In one of the studies um, published, oh, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, psyllium, the fiber psyllium, mm-hmm. worked as well as cholestyramine in bile acid binding. Uh, lots of different fibers seem to do that. I, I've, yeah. I used to take psyllium. There's the gas problem, and there's also a bunch of research on like irritation of the lining of the gut, where I, I finally concluded that it was probably causing more harm than good, but you could feel some good from taking it. Yeah, I would find about 30, 35% of my patients when I was using psyllium would react to it and it would bind them up. Uh, my preference now is, is a combination of rice bran fiber, oat bran fiber, other whole food fibers with just a little kiss of psyllium in there. Um, yeah, I could see that. You know, so, so that's, my, that's my preference. But anything, this, the, the cholestyramine, uh, it does, it, it's, it's all preventing hepatic recycling, which is what the charcoal does, absolutely. Yeah. So the, the other piece, you, you, you're working now with all the, the bowel and hepatic recycling. The other recycling is the kidney. Yes. And the best way to stop that is to alkalinize the urine to at least a pH of 7. So just put a little baking soda in your water? Yep. <laughs> yep. Hold on. Do, do I need a $1,200 uh, multi-level marketing water alkaline machine? I think they're $5,000, right? I guess it, it depends on which MLM you're joining. I must be in the discount one. I'm kidding. I, I don't do MLM. Yeah. Uh, but uh, MLM being multi-level marketing pyramid schemes, if that's a term uh, listeners yeah. don't know about. But so so I, I've been, I, 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 I do have one of the, you know, geez, it's now almost 20-year-old, uh, the first out water alkaline machines out there. And I, I religiously drank alkaline water. I religiously stopped digesting my food because I was neutralizing my stomach acid with it. Um, and I, I'm generally of the conclusion that some people benefit greatly when they, they get some alkaline water, but for a lot of people, it causes more harm than good. And like, it's not a panacea. Uh, this is my opinion, and I do not know your opinion on alkaline water. So I know you're going to say clean water is important. We're going to agree there, but oh, clean alkaline water's... water, yay or nay? <laughs> um, I, I hear good stories about it. Yeah. Um, the diet is the better way to go to alkalinize your urine, but I often find that I need to give people an extra boost. There are a lot of supplements out there typically that have, you know, bicarbonates in them yep. that will help get them into the range that they need to get into. Well, one, uh, one warning for people listening, if, you've, if you're not taking baking soda Number one, don't take it when you need to have acid in your stomach with a meal because it'll neutralize right. it. But but number two, if you take too much of it, it can kill you. It can cause a heart attack. Right? So take very small, an eighth of a teaspoon to start. And I have, in, on, even on eighth of a teaspoon, I tend to be too alkaline anyway. Funny enough, lots of vegetables do that. Um, I've actually gotten short of breath and had like rapid heartbeat from a little bit more than an eighth of a teaspoon. So don't take a, a teaspoon in a glass of water without knowing that that's the right dose for you because you really might not like what happens. Yeah, and they've got, you can go to any pharmacy and get test strips for your urine. So test yeah. the urine first. You, you know, so many people that are eating a good diet, I, like uh, Dave, I would not expect your urine to be 
acidic. I would expect yeah, it to not, be not alpha. Usually. So you, you wouldn't need the extra help. It, you know? In fact, in one of the, I, I do this thing called quarterly, where every quarter I send out a gift box full of like interesting biohacking stuff to people who subscribe. And uh, I sent out a bottle of test strips that had you know protein in your urine, uh, ketones, and uh, about eight other markers, including urinary pH, so you could figure out where are you there. Um, okay, uh, so you're a fan yeah. of, of urine pH, but not necessarily alkaline water. All right, that's interesting. Right, because um, all the so many of the the compounds, you know, what glutathione when glutathione is bound to a compound in the liver, it becomes a mercapturic acid. Uh, when you when you break down solvents, uh, toluene, it goes to uh, you add amino acids to it, it becomes uh, hippuric acid. These are all weak acids, and if your urine is acidic. Those weak acids get sucked back in, so you're not clearing the toxicants. Merely taking it to a pH of seven, and and you're peeing them out. What so, do you think about apple cider vinegar? Which is well, it's an acid. It's acetic acid. Is, is well, that a? It's been around forever. A lot of great testimonials about it. I personally don't use it. I, I think it tastes really good, and it's the lowest toxin vinegar I can find because the fermentation process breaks down all the bad stuff that grows on apples. Um, compared to like balsamic or something, but I as a as a performance enhancing substance, I think most people don't have problems with acetic acid. But there are those anecdotes about some people just get supercharged by guzzling vinegar. And I think it's safe to test it, but I don't I I don't know that it's ever worked for me. Yeah, I'm not a vinegar. Uh, my not palate vinegar doesn't doesn't float that way. Got it. Well, this has been a, an absolutely fascinating discussion, and we're coming up on on the end of the podcast. So there's a question. Uh, that I'd like to ask you that every single guest has answered on Bulletproof Radio, except that one time when I forgot. <laughs> and the question is, given all the stuff you know, not just about your 30 years in the profession of environmental medicine, but your whole life, if someone came to you tomorrow and said, look, I want to be better at everything, and I want, I want to kick ass at life, uh, what are the three most important things I should know? What would you, what would you tell them? If I want to kick ass in life, the three most important things I would say was, um, one, you would have to be able to call bullshit on yourself. <laughs> I love um, it. Two, you'd have to be able to forgive everybody in your life that you perceived has harmed you in any yes. way. Mm -hmm. And um, three... Actually, by doing numbers one and two, you would get your head out of your ass. Um, <laughs> That's the first one out of 250-something episodes. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And then three, I'd have to say live love. There you go. I, I love it. Well, thank you for sharing that, that wisdom. Uh, that's a fantastic answer. And uh, no one has ever said, get your head out of your ass before. And, and I'm surprised, <laughs> but you, you nailed it. <laughs> They have All right. to hear the loud pop. Uh, there you go. Yeah, it, it should be forceful when you expel your head. Mm -hmm. Now, your book is called Clean, Green, and Lean. Get rid of the toxins that make you fat. And where can people find out more about your work? What URL should they go to? Uh, www.crinionopinion.com. C-R-I-N-N-I-O-N, -N then the word opinion.com. Um, I do trainings for uh, physicians, and I have a monthly subscription podcast where I update docs on the latest research articles in environmental medicine. 
Awesome. I will have to get subscribed to that, even though I'm not a doctor. So that way, uh, when you come across something really cool, I can I can get a cool fact of the day oh, to oh, put on the show. I, yeah, I, I I put a lot of effort into this. So there's cool stuff there. Are you connected with the Environmental Health News people, EHN? Uh, I I'm, I have a subscription to them, and I read that their little uh, email every morning, and then I post it on. I've got also an environmental medicine Facebook page, and I post a lot of that stuff up there. I love it. So for people interested in you know, what what the environment's doing to you, which is ground zero for biohacking, mm-hmm. uh, Crinian Opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a subscription service, and I, I've got to plug Environmental Health News, which is Absolutely. very tightly. Very tightly tied with Environmental Working Group, another organization that I, I really oh, that I support. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. I support them financially, and I know some of the board members. And hats off to that kind of work because if we're going to continue kicking ass as a species, we kind of need to get that. Exactly. Thanks again for being on Bulletproof Radio. Have an awesome afternoon, and I look forward to having you on again sometime. Okay. Thanks so much, Dave. I really appreciate it. If you appreciated today's episode as much as I did, this is great fun for me. If you learned something useful today, do me a favor. Just go out and share this with someone else. And you can do that in a couple of ways. The first way is just tell someone what you learned so that they can benefit from this knowledge. The second thing you can do if you want to be all technical about it is you can go to the transcripts on the Bulletproof website. And this entire conversation is now available for you to read you can click on any link on, on any section of that and it'll take you right to YouTube and you can share just that link, just that snippet of video that you care about the most. So this is a way for you to share this knowledge with lots of people. I really appreciate it if you take the time to do that. Just post the 30 second snippet where we talk about the most interesting stuff. Start a conversation. That's what this is all about. Have a great day. Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.